0: Welcome to Season 1 of the Imperial Innovation and Entrepreneurship Podcast, hosted by Yasmina, Jayshan, and Sam. We're bringing to the table insights from game-changing entrepreneurs, business executives, and our very own community members. Thank you for coming along for the ride, and we hope you enjoy this episode. What is going on, everyone? Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the IND podcast. Today, we are so hyped to welcome Maritz Grip to our vibrant community. And I'm telling you guys, this man does it all. He is an engineer, a management consultant, a startup mentor, an entrepreneur, you name it. We're very lucky to have him here. And without further ado, let's bring him on board. Maritz, how are you doing?
1: Hi, guys. Glad to be on board on this episode.
2: Fantastic. How does it feel to be on the other side of uh, the Innovation Entrepreneurship Club, having actually you know, been running this when you when you were here at Imperial?
1: Yeah, uh, we were just talking about this like before we, before we started this podcast. I mean, I was super shocked to see that it's already been a year since I've had my, my last ever exams in university. So uh, now it feels great to be, to be on the other side. I'm super happy to, to share my experiences and kind of where it has taken me up to this point um yeah and talk about the positives and also the negatives um and the learnings that you that you need need to go through along the way um and just yeah hope to inspire um the next batch of of students um and you know and university graduates to um to yeah to become an entrepreneur and to to follow what they what they like to do in their life
2: awesome that's that's fantastic that's exactly you know the aim of this podcast trying to reach out to our community share with them experiences you know, ideally from people like yourselves, you know, alumni. So, yeah, awesome. So, Sam, I think, should we just uh, dive straight into our usual rapid fire? So, uh, the way we want this to work, Maritz, we're just going to ask you, you know, just four or five questions, really straightforward, you know, looking for the first thing that comes into your head. Um, you know, we're not looking for any justifications, you know, we can get into that a little bit later, <laughs> um, okay. talk a bit more about you um, afterwards. So, yeah, without further ado, let's dive straight in. So question one, uh, what is the one thing you're currently trying to make a habit?
1: Trying to learn about a new subject every day, even if it's just like a 10 minute uh, article. Awesome, every day, wow. That's uh, that's why it's a hard habit, (laughs) every day.
0: (laughs) Amazing, amazing. Um, Coming in with a second question, nfts are they overrated or underrated overrated (laughs) no Uh, question three no explanation Um, either
1: right you said (laughs) yeah (laughs)
2: uh swiftly moving on uh what's your morning routine
1: uh well the new habit forming routine wake up coffee and read. Uh, at least 10-15 minutes, uh, I can really recommend Financial Times, it's uh, a great uh, mean to, to get quick info. <laughs> That's
0: nice, question number four, what is your favorite fast food chain?
1: Oh, oh tough one, uh, gotta go with with KFC. <laughs> yes,
2: strong, really good, what do you think of their, their vegan burger, have you tried their vegan burger?
1: Uh, no, not yet. Uh, should I, should I, I give it a try? It. I wouldn't recommend it. It's oh.
2: awful. <laughs> Just stick to the and then uh, finally, um, what's your go-to productivity hack? Uh,
1: I would say, write. I mean, I write everything down on paper, um, instead of digital. I don't know why it works with, with my mind better. Um, I feel like I get, I'm more productive when I write it down with my hands. <laughs> yeah. Love that, T-
0: totally feel the same. Um, well, Moritz, congratulations on passing through the rapid fire questions. Um, I'm sure our community members will r- surely enjoy tuning in and getting to know you a little bit more on a personal level. But that being said, let's dive into the nitty gritty of things, right? So I noticed from your LinkedIn profile that prior to coming to Imperial, you worked at PwC for three years, right? So could you maybe talk a little bit about what made you want to pivot and start to explore the whole world of entrepreneurship?
1: Yeah, sure. Um, Maybe even to get one step before that, um, kind of why I chose consulting (laughs) as like an entryway into my career. Um, I think now, you know, more and more people are are trying to go down the traditional or let's say the traditional route of going into, you know, investment banking or consulting, which are, you know, great ways to, to broaden your horizon. And especially if you don't really know in the beginning, um, what you are super passionate about and what you want to do for the rest of your life. Um, I think consulting which is why I chose it was a great way to see many different faces of an industry in a super quick period of time um, like you know one day so I was in the financial services um, sector um, uh, and you know and one day you're working with one of the largest investment, investment banks on their data privacy implementation and then the next day you hop on a plane and you go to Berlin um, working with a startup in the digital identity space. So you, you really get to see the whole the whole spectrum of, of um, yeah like industry players and kind of what you like and don't like. Um, so that's kind of why I chose consulting in the beginning. And I really would recommend it to anyone to do um, because it's such a great learning curve. Um, and then I decided to do my masters um, at Imperial, um, the Innovation Entrepreneurship uh, Masters. Um, simply because I was getting more and more into this whole startup ecosystem at work, and I, it was super interesting to me. And I just wanted to build further my, my skill set. So, this is a fun fact um, on day one of the entrepreneurship masters, um, there was a talk uh, of um, the startup that had won the, the entrepreneurship module pitching uh, award from the previous cohort. And I, I was sitting in the back and I thought, Wow, super impressive! But like, that's not never going to be me, um, and I would probably never leave this master with with my own company. Um, so yeah, that was one and a half years ago. Um, so looking back at that moment now, I'm thinking, okay, like, why did I have this mindset? You know, why was I not more um, already excited at that point um, to to use this also as an opportunity to to actually. Uh, work on my own startup I kind of saw it more as a like an academic tool you know learn about the concepts and then taking those back to the consulting firm or to my new job and kind of applying that in the corporate setting um, so that's kind of how I entered that that was a mindset in the master's like I wouldn't I, I don't even want to found my company I didn't feel ready um, I didn't know I didn't have an idea I didn't have anything basically so um, during the master's it turns out that you know, you start to build this really great community of people. You start to meet crazy, like uh, mean, crazy skilled people in a in a in a world that, or in a, in a sector that you had never known about before. So um, okay. it's really valuable to to build a great network um, when you're in university. I think like that's that's one thing. Looking back, big like learning for me. Um, grow your network and. Meet new people because you never know who you need help with um, when when growing a company, um, and yeah. So during my time, um, I actually launched my my first company, um, which was in health tech. Um, we were I was building a a direct to consumer test um, for for women to reduce the side effects they get from hormonal contraception because we identified that as a super big problem. So that was actually the the venture I, I was working on during my time in, in Imperial. Um, and, you know, it's not just a business school that you are involved in Imperial. There's the there's the School of Medicine. So that's why I say really make sure you grow your network outside of your own bubble. Um, get out there, go to events, meet people because everyone is eager to work on ideas and, and starting up uh, some companies. Um, and then, yeah, upon, upon graduation, um, we decided to take this idea still forward. Um, at the same time, we were also organizing hackathons um, for Imperial or with Imperial, which was kind of like the second track um, that I was involved in. Um, and yeah, then turns out I kind of made the, the organizing hackathons my main business now um, and started up that company a couple of months ago. Um, so yeah, it's really about you know pivoting Learning new things, also saying no, and and having, uh, knowing when to when to stop. But yeah, we can talk about that later. Kind of, you know, when to know, when to continue with your startup, or when to, when to stop it. Um, yeah, that's. I yeah. mean, that's totally
2: awesome. So, yeah, I, mean, I
1: think I, I was talking a lot.
2: No, that's fine. I totally agree with what you said. I mean, for me, anyway, you know coming to do my MBA at the business school was not because it was a great business school, it's because it's connected to Imperial College London, you know, Royal College of Art, you've got all these awesome minds there. And, you know, it's the perfect place to, like you say, network, uh, potentially build a startup. So, you know, loads of different avenues that you can explore uh, just with that community. And that's really key. Um, And, you know, I just want to follow up and say, so you obviously came from the consultancy world. uh, So coming into, you know, doing this degree did you want to basically learn more about, you know, innovations, entrepreneurial, um, the entrepreneurial world so you can take it back to consultancy? Was that the initial kind of career goal? And that's kind of like, obviously molded into something else entirely.
1: Yeah, exactly. So that was kind of my mindset. I wanted to take a look at it more from an academic spe- uh, perspective and building an innovation toolkit, let's say, um, and, and um, processes to then take back to to a job. Basically, I mean, I never really considered uh, um, starting up my own my own company. Um, even during the masters, you know, I would, yeah, I would say, okay, what people say a lot is, you know, get work experience, which I hundred percent I agree. Um, get out there, see what you like and don't like. Um, actually the average age of founders or of successful founders let's say with um, really valuable companies you know it's not it's not the 20s it's not the 30s it's not even the 40s it's usually people who are in their 50s so there's also this let's say social image or pressure I have a little bit of a feeling coming up now that you know if you don't if you don't found in your early days you'll never make it which it's definitely not true Um, met a lot of Guys and, and women who who started their 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 startup after a twenty five year successful career in a, in a corporate setting, right? So that's definitely one thing I want to also convey is just don't be pressured, don't feel like you have to do it, or if it's or like don't even have to do it at all. I mean, um, if it's if it comes around the chance, go for it, and if if it's not around or you don't feel like doing it, that's also totally fine. Um, but yeah, my mindset was you know going back to to consulting because I loved it. Um, and then I decided um, to, to take this chance and, and take what I, what I learned um, during my classes um, and apply it like right now to, to kind of my problem that we're trying to solve um, with the company. Yeah. yeah,
0: Maritz, that's an absolutely amazing story because I feel like a lot of people who come into IEM, they have a pretty big intention to ultimately start a business, right? Hence, like why the program is called um, mainly centered on entrepreneurship. But I think you kind of just coming into Imperial and then having access to, like you said, the community, the tools, the resources and that kind of whole whole thing just kind of shifted your journey into pursuing entrepreneurship. And I think it's phenomenal. And I think just to follow up, I really want to dive into the fact, like you just mentioned this a little bit earlier, but what were some of the exact concepts that you were taught within IEM that you ultimately applied to the ventures that you ended up starting?
1: Mm-hmm. Um, so let's say, I would really, for if, 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 if you have a great idea um, already coming in, I would definitely have to make, I I made a lot of use of the hands-on classes, let's say, which are um, the design thinking course, for example. It was amazing because it was kind of like a workshop style uh, approach for for three months where you really start with like, what is the problem you're trying to solve? That's always like, that's one, one thing that we keep on using now is we don't want to jump to solutions, we want to drill down the problem. We want to talk to people, find out who your customers are and really identify the, the human centric problem. Like what, what pain are you solving or what gain are you giving your potential customers? So that was super, super valuable in my opinion um, and having that really structured process behind it because people say, you know, how do you ideate? Isn't it super random? No, it's actually not. If you, there's a really structured way to come up with great ideas um, and to um, foster new ideas in a, in a group setting. So um, we now at Futurize make use a lot um, of the design thinking process. Um, for example, when we, when we do our hackathons, I mean, a hackathon is basically a design thinking sprint uh, in a couple of days. Um, so we really compressed that into a short period of time. Um, but yeah, we can talk about that later, but um, so that was one of, the, one of the big ones that made a big difference. Um, and then obviously the entrepreneurship module, um, which was, you know, that's kind of what it all comes down to. Um, this is your your big shot, your big idea. Um, find a great team. I can I can't stress it more enough. I mean, it was um, super super valuable to find good good teammates on that. Um, and the talks, um, always attend all the talks. I, f- I found the, the the talks super valuable. That the external guests that came in and spoke, um, from venture capitalists to um, successful startup founders um that's actually in my opinion where, where i learned the most um super hands-on experience um and and feedback um and yeah so i would say the, these two courses were definitely um some some of the yeah the road paving uh classes and, and concepts that, that i took along yeah
2: yeah that's pretty cool because you're, you're using those concepts to obviously develop your business but I think correct me if I'm wrong the business model actually revolves around you know some of those courses you actually use that in your in your hackathons and uh, to your clients so that's that's pretty awesome I mean going back a bit I mean I'm quite intrigued you're talking about you were working on two startups you know you had you know your eggs in a couple of baskets how did you start to you know make that decision you know okay this one's not going to work I'm going to switch gears now into the other one you know what was your mindset like what was that decision making process?
1: Yeah, so I mean, at the end of the day, it's uh, there's a lot of a lot of decision points along the way, um, but there's a, a nice saying in German. I don't know if it's if it's also in English, but it's like you know, don't ride a dead horse, and if it's that, you jump off basically, yeah. <laughs> um, which is a concept <laughs> I really like because um, people I think get get caught up. Um, they, you obviously have to fall in love with the idea. You have to fall in love with your solution, um, and that's absolutely crucial. But you can never neglect the feedback that a the, cust- the customers are giving you, b the market is giving you, and c which was also a case in our case, uh, which was also our case, like the regulations are telling you. So um, there's a there's a great chance that your idea will never work, and it will never kind of excite customers the way it excites you. Um, so for us um that was definitely not the case um like i said before we tried to alleviate the pain of of women which are actually half the market in the world uh or yeah half population in the world to to relieve side effects from from contraception so you know everyone we talked to there was so much hype about it like oh yeah we need this test um we need this diagnostic test to be sent to our home we're really going to use it but then kind of taking a step back and and Looking behind the curtains kind of defining the process behind what's needed in terms of regulations um, that's years and years and years of research and execution um, and approval from a regulatory side. Um, which then kind of looking into my near future, um, I did not feel comfortable investing my life in um, or my life to or commit my life to that to that cause. Or to the. The company and because we were also not experts in important um, um, on your team they, you're gonna get you're gonna get asked this question always from, from investors like okay business case looks great marketing looks nice the product looks cool but you know who's the expert who's the technical expert who's the medical expert um, And that's something that we were that we were lacking then and that day. Um, so that those were kind of let's say the two big components why I then decided okay let's let's, let's leave this on the side for now. Um, let it rest. Let um, me get back to it maybe in a while. But for now, focus my energy on, on another business model, on another business that is more um, easily scalable for us and kind of is in a market that I know, which is, you know, we're organizing hackathons, we organize innovation programs for companies. It's a very similar consulting approach. Um, so that was something that I felt more comfortable in um and could see myself um also in the long run um to scale it yeah
0: Yeah, and maritz to your first point about like building products that consumers actually want um just going back i was a second year student at mcgill university and i joined this student-led startup called box and essentially high level what we did was build up a sneaker trading platform And one of the biggest mistakes that we kind of made was we wanted to, you know, we were super excited to incorporate all these different product features, but we kind of just assumed that our our customers would, you know, love these new features, but because we didn't conduct enough user tests or user interviews, we had a really hard time keeping people on the platform. And I think just going into not only ventures, but going into really anything and just having like a customer centric mindset is super, super important but I really do wanna touch on um, kind of the hackathons that you've been organizing and everything to do with Futurize. Can you maybe take us back to that moment? I don't know, maybe you were in the INE club, you were discussing with some of the members, like how did this venture come to life? Um, Walk us through that process.
1: Yeah, so um, I was actually, I'd say not involved from the super early days on that, Um, but obviously I know the story um, and I can tell you kind of about the about that story, and then kind of how we decided as a team to do this full time um, after graduation. So, um, in March 2020, I mean, the, one of the most dreaded months in, in lifetime in our lifetime, probably, uh, COVID came around, and um, we were in the process of organizing a hackathon um, for Imperial, you know, on the site. Um, then everyone flew back home. Uh, um, and all of a sudden, everything moved remote. So, so then all of a sudden you realize once you host a hackathon, which traditionally is, you know, it's super location dependent. So people come into a room. So the, the the chances of you meeting diverse people in terms of background um, and nationalities is, is super limited, right? So now we all of a sudden moved everything online and we saw, hey, we don't need this hackathon to be just Imperial, like, why don't we also invite LSE? Why don't don't we also invite Harvard? Why don't we also invite Tsinghua University in Beijing? So all of a sudden we were connected to this whole world and we saw teams come together from the, I mean, from the most diverse backgrounds you can imagine. So we have teams now in our hackathons, um, just for example, last November, Um, between imperial and china i mean we made it mandatory for these teams to have at least two two students from china two students from the uk and another student from singapore so we made that a mandatory requirement for team formation because we saw the great benefit of of such an international community um, and background so that was i guess one of the big deciding factors, um, the success of our past events, why we wanted to take this full time and we now saw the opportunity um, in co- in COVID and the way it has changed how we innovate. Now, if, now we have to innovate and collaborate together from a screen, like it's not that we can sit in a room and draw on a whiteboard. So all of a sudden you move everything to a virtual whiteboard, which is actually quite different to work with. So um, we just kind of saw the opportunity there um, and the interest in the market, like I said about, you know, there was interest in the market. So that kind of confirmed our, our business model um, of building this global community of innovators and bringing them together through hackathons. Um, and yeah, so that's kind of like the big deciding factor. And then we had, you um, the big hackathon last November. So November, 2019, um, the one I just described um, between Imperial and Tsinghua University um, on smart cities. So that was kind of like the big deciding factor. Okay, we wanna go for it full time. Uh, we wanted to build, we wanna build this innovation studio, um, a virtual one. Um, and ever since we have been uh, setting up hackathons and are building innovation programs virtually Um, with companies because we really want to connect academia um, to corporates um, and startups better because we still feel like there's a lack there Um, I mean some programs do a great job obviously Imperial does a great job in promoting entrepreneurship but we still feel like students want to test their ideas in a risk-free setting um, and obviously potentially get get funding for their early stage ideas so um, that's kind of really what Um, motivates us um, and i wish i had access to back in the day um, as a student kind of like the closer connection to an opportunity to to test my business ideas faster so that i don't have to fail in the long run let's say
2: awesome so i mean it sounds like you know the smart cities hackathon was effectively your test and i mean obviously you guys are still going on now so i'm guessing it was successful um so what's what's the next milestone for you guys i mean obviously you know you created this awesome startup out of you know this massive change that's happened globally but there's going to be a time where you know things start to ease off um and you know people will start to you know meet up face to face but you know obviously virtual Mm -hmm. working is going to you know stay there you know for the long term how are you guys planning on you know working around that what's your what's your next milestone?
1: Yeah, so in terms of next milestones um i mean even now we're, we're seeing so we're forecasting especially for this year still 2021 all of our events to be virtual 100 um yeah. we have actually one super exciting um, hackathon coming up this month end of the may it's a fintech themed one um, how can we make how can we drive sustainability through fintech so that's kind of like our next one that's coming up then we have a big one coming up in the summertime. Um, where this is a truly global one, where we will connect uh, eight plus universities globally for a massive hackathon in healthcare, um, and then um, yeah, we actually had this this talk already. You know what's what's going to be next because we know that everyone wants to go back eventually, but one thing we don't want to miss in the long run is this aspect of of diversity and and internationality. So we are thinking of ways to connect our events um, still virtually, but obviously allowing people in the same location to sit in a room and work together. But um, that's kind of like the long-term long goal, long-term goal to, to drive a hybrid approach because we will never drop the virtual part of it because we, don't, we believe that it's not as fostering for innovation if it's location dependent. Let's say we want always our hacks to be international um, and bringing people together. But yeah you made a very good point and we discussed this that you know as a business um you can run out of business quickly if you don't kind of innovate for the future and that's something that we have to do now again you know we tried we found this market gap during COVID, let's say or the way people work together but now that's changing again so we need to kind of reinvent, reinvent again our approach and and how we do things because if we don't do that then yeah, like our business model will, will be at risk again, which obviously we, we don't want to happen um, because at the end of the day participants to our hackathons are the, our customers that say, well, like we have obviously I mean, a lot of side of customers, but those are, if without participants, we will not have successful innovation going on for companies and and corp and um, academia. So um, yeah, we want it to be a hybrid approach in the long run for sure.
0: Yeah, I absolutely love that. And I think there are certainly benefits to be able to interact with people in person, right? But I think being able to do things virtually, I've realized that you can make really, really good friends just by talking to people on Zoom, right? And that's something I don't think will go away um, anytime soon. But just kind of shifting gears a little bit here, Maritz, you know, a a lot of entrepreneurs, Um, I feel like there's always a reason to not get started, right? Whether you don't have a co-founder, you don't have a good idea or anything along those lines. And I guess my question to you is, what is one piece of advice that you would give to someone who is kind of struggling to get started? And what would you say to that person to get them kickstarted along their entrepreneurial journey? Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, so like I said, um, I think that, is obviously very situation dependent um on the one hand i would never t- encourage or, or push someone to become an entrepreneur if they really don't feel like they're super passionate um, and be don't have a true problem to solve because like we see in the in the long term that that usually never works um so in terms of, let's say, I mean, if if the person is struggling to to find a co-founder, I mean, that's something I hear a lot, um, like I don't have the right people, I don't have the right uh, knowledge for what I'm trying to do, I don't think that's an excuse anymore, education is, is you know, more and more democratized, you can find, you can learn virtually anything you want online, if you don't know how to code, go and take a coding class online on uh, any of the 1000 platforms that exist and, and you pay a couple of hundred bucks for it. And, and within a couple of weeks, you're, you're a coder. Um, if you don't have a co-founder, there are platforms that you can sign up to and you put all the requirements and you can find a co-founder. So in terms of that, let's say kind of building the, the parameters around setting up a business, it's, there's not much, there's not many hurdles right now anymore compared to 20, 30 years ago. It's still, what hasn't changed is the, I, am I solving a problem that really cares? And are will, are people willing to pay for what I provide? So those are those are two things you can not, let's say motivate someone to do. Um, it needs to come natural. Sometimes these ideas come when something annoys yourself. I mean, if you really wanna think of a, a, a valuable problem to solve, this is an exercise that we did actually once for a full day, um, take your phone with you, put, open up a notepad and everything you do document it. Like if there's the slightest annoyance in your daily routine where you can think, Ugh, I'm super annoyed right now, or this is how it, could be, how it could be done differently, then write it down, share it with people. Um, one great thing is always people are, let's say they don't wanna share their ideas early because they think someone might copy me or something like that um which is also something i struggled with i didn't want to share my idea with with a lot of people in the beginning um which is actually yeah quite stupid because um the fact that you have already thought about it and you have made a certain progress it's already you're already so far ahead mentally or the mindset you're already so far ahead that the likelihood of someone copying you then is is a super small um and b him or her being successful in copying you is also quite small. So I really encourage people to go to events like the um, Imperial Enterprise Lab, for example, where, um, I forgot the name right now of the, of the event, uh, Pitch and Mix, where you go and you, you pitch your ideas um, in front of everyone, people give you feedback on it um, and discuss and you, you know, you, know um, you might find your next co-founder also in these events. Um, so that's something I really would encourage, talk to people about it. You will get always positive feedback and if you get negative feedback, kind of find a way to turn it around and, and learn from it and, and make it positive, yeah.
2: Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, I think if you've got an idea and you're especially at, you know, this community at Imperial or wherever it is, you know, within your network, to just talk to people about it just so they know what you're doing and also get advice, you know, whether they're a customer or, or not or a advisor, whoever it is, I think it's really helpful because you always get, you know, small nuggets of information that someone's thought of that you haven't thought of. You can always bring it to the table within your team and you know discuss stuff within your team and obviously you know if if there's three of you doing that as opposed to one of you then you know you you can reach out to 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 more people and get some more information and you know just touching upon your team so i think i believe there's you know there's three people in your core team um how do you guys um you know come to discussions how do you guys make um you know how do who decides when you when you when you have bust ups? Um, or disagreements you know how, what's your process to you know try and agree what's the next steps because uh, you know I'm, I'm working in a team and you know we have come across mm-hmm. situations where you know people have their own ideas and the team's getting quite big um and we feel like you know we're getting stuck in the mud on quite a few equations you know what what would you advise in, in your situation or what works well for you guys
1: yeah so uh, for us is also quite interesting setup right now um because I am in Dubai, um, Ria she's in London right now, and, and Daniel is in Mexico. So already from me to Daniel, there's a 10-11 hour time difference. Um, which on the one hand, you know, we always say it's great; someone is always online and working on on the on the company, which basically is like you know 24/7 business development. But at the same time, it makes it hard to to connect as a team um, and to get um and don't feel lonely let's say during the day working because most of us let's say we are, let's say are working alone like we can't just bounce ideas off each other super easily um but that's why routine is super important like set daily calls um at a time that works for everyone uh and problems lay them out on the table i mean um no need to or or something like that we are always we always talk about it don't hold back if if, if something annoys you, you say it. Um, also, you know, make some time to to do non-work related stuff. Um, I mean, tonight we have a, a virtual game night planned, and we don't talk about work. We just try to connect on a more personal level. And um, I think that's even more important in a virtual setting right now when you work remotely with people um, and don't have you can't really satisfy your deepest human needs of contact and you know, being able to to hear, like, I mean, be in a in a in a social setting, basically, um, which is radically different, um, virtually. So, um, that's something I really, I would really recommend to do. Um, and yeah, in terms of like who decides with with three people, it's right now it's quite quite simple. Uh, you can always vote <laughs> with three people. Um, but um, yeah, obviously, as you scale, you need to. Um, kind of define some areas of um, responsibilities that some people are responsible for and others don't really let's say have a say or the final decision in um, we have now hired our first interns which is which is super exciting so we're already kind of feeling the small scale um, of, of what it feels like to actually scale uh, a, an agency or a consulting firm like this so um, super excited to see um, how that goes and yeah, like I said, um, don't lose the personal touch. Try to talk, not about work at times. Um, yeah, and just have fun while doing it. Yeah, totally. I love, your, um, I love your
0: approach to almost like humanizing everything, like just talking about like our coursework. Um, I always really, really appreciate it when our professors kind of shy away from the typical lecture style format and do something fun, right? Maybe incorporate like a quiz or something, incorporate like a simulation, anything, that prevents us to just you know, stare at a screen for two hours on end and just listening to someone talk. Sure. Um, sure. But I think Maris, we have um, time for one more question and you being an Imperial alum and Jay studying the MBA and me doing the IEM, um, I don't think it would be right if we didn't ask this question, but um, I really wanted to get your input on insight on what role do you believe academia has in fostering innovation and entrepreneurial spirit?
1: Yeah, I mean, the role is is definitely super important. universities are already too late of a step to foster an entrepreneurial mindset. It should start much, much earlier in the educational system, um, starting in, you know, grade five, six, seven. Um, if you go um, around schools um, and you ask people or, or, or young kids, you know, what's your dream job, you will, I don't think the answer has has changed in the last 100 years. Um, so I think it needs to start much, much more earlier than that um, and trying to promote becoming an entrepreneur um, from an early stage onward and, and teaching the skills, especially the soft skills um, from an early from an early age. Um, but yes, yeah, coming back to specifically in universities. So I think universities hold a tremendous amount of people and entrepreneurs who are not even discovered yet and who because they lack um, the opportunity to like I said to test their businesses fast and quick who will never know they are a great entrepreneur um, a lot of entrepreneurs especially also in the science so in the stem field um, they know, they're working on groundbreaking technologies um, which could be commercialized super easily but you know they might lack the entrepreneurial uh, mindset and know-how of how to commercialize a technology. So by attending hackathons, for example, or or attending these workshops that universities give now um, on how to how to build a startup, I think it's it's super super crucial um, if we want to if we want the UK or Europe to um, sustain the the pace of innovation that we're seeing um, from China from the US. I think Europe is still super behind. Uh, when it comes to that in terms of the the entrepreneurial ecosystem and kind of the mindset that people have. um, I have a feeling also in Germany where I'm from, people are very risk. um, They don't want to take risks basically um, when it comes to to businesses and technology. And I think that's something that universities can really tap into and and should foster of taking more risk and kind of giving giving students um, resources and opportunities to to take, even if it's just you know a couple of thousand pounds um there's so much free money free money when i say free obviously it's not free but there's so many grants out there and and competitions that you can apply and and get money from um, to then use and kind of test your business so um yeah, in conclusion universities are, are super important and that's why we want to really leverage the this the student community and, and academia to to connect them closer to to corporates to to find the next generation of, of entrepreneurs and, and technology that, that can change the world, basically.
2: Yeah, totally. I think, I mean, that was one of the key reasons for me coming back to academia. You know, when I said after undergrad, I was never going to come back and, you know, do a degree again. And it's just, you know, being able to fail fast. You know, you have a year to just try new things, make mistakes. And obviously, I think, you know, we've all been in situations where you make mistakes. And that's probably the ones that, you know, you learn the most from. So, you know, just being able to, you know, learn all this new stuff uh, apply in practice over the year um, and then learn from it and then move on with the, with the next stage of your life I think that's you know really important aspect of, of what um, you know going back to university and academia provides um, so yeah I mean I think we should we should close it up there you know it's been really awesome having you here Maritz, and it's even better having you know um, the founder of a company that was kind of born out of the I&E club back on you know as an alum on our podcast it's, it's really awesome um, is, you know is there anything else you want to share with with our community before you go anything you want to you know let out? Uh,
1: well, now, this question you caught me off guard now but uh, I don't think there's anything uh, if I mean if there if I mean I'm super open to to reach out um, you know hit me up on LinkedIn if you have any questions reach out. Um, also my my two other co-founders are amazing to talk to we're all super easy going so don't be. It all goes down down to the fact, you know, expand your network. Um, you know, you never know what one message could do in the long run. So, um, yeah, just reach out if you have any questions. <laughs>